Yo. Yo. What up, man? Well, welcome to, to my Neverland recreation behind me. Oh, that's fantastic. I saw most of the things that were in your photo shoot, and I was like, I think I have a lot of these things. I have a good chunk of this. Yeah. So that's uh, great. Minus the famous minus the famous rapper thing. Like I have some of your stuff at least. You're basically there. Yeah, I got a I wore a Rocco shirt because I didn't have a oh, Ren that's and, great. I didn't have a Ren and Stimpy, but I had I had this. I don't know if you can really see it. Oh, that's great. That's so, great. Truly. Yeah, man. So I had to I had to try to bring out. I mean, last last time we had a really dope conversation where we spoke about all the food, the hidden food references that maybe people didn't get. So now I want to dive into some of the stuff behind me or behind okay. your photo shoot. And I want to see if they're just there or there's a reason. And I feel like there's always a reason for everything. Oh, fact. Actually, well, sorry. How are you? Good. Good. Oh, good. To Good to see you. Fantastic. I've been doing interviews all day, so it just be knocking them out today, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's dope, man. Um, So I hope this one is a lot of fun. I even put on, this is my Little League baseball hat from when I was 14. It's the only hat I had that would match this shirt. So we we going, man. Um, All right, man. So first and foremost, whose room is that? in the photo shoot and is all of that your actual stuff yeah that's my uh my godson uh josiah it's actually his room uh, they let me use it um and then we recreated it and and moved things around to make it a little closer to like one of my bedrooms as a kid um most of that stuff in there is mine some of it was his i mixed in a little bit of his stuff but a majority of it like the details of that were for sure all belong to me. Okay. The Elmo, the Elmo was yours too? The Elmo, that's actually a cause Elmo. So I got the cause Elmo, Cookie Monster, and the Big Bird. You know, he did a drop with I think Uniqlo or somebody. So Okay. Yeah. That, it's not it's not the tickle me Elmo joint. It's uh, That's the tickle me. That's my son's. So Okay. Th- this is the closest my son's ever been to being involved with an interview. Um, exactly. <laughs> all right. So Looking through all the shoots, I was trying to find what the baseball cards were open to in the binder, what team. And I found one, uh, I think it was like a one sheet, and you're laying back and the cards are behind you. And it's open to the Astros, the Don Russ pack, the yellow cards. Yeah, I got them. I got them back there. That's all the Astros. Yeah, was that on purpose? Uh, it wasn't on purpose. Uh, we just flipped open the book. I actually had a lot of NBA cards as a kid. Uh, I did, I did have some baseball stuff, but I think when you're a kid, um, the collecting process is more about just like, I just want to have a new pack of cards to open. So, you know, and you're also not picky cause you don't have a lot of money. So you're just like, give me whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually had a whole bunch of cards. I also had certain cards that I thought were like really nice or players i really like yeah. vince carter uh anthony hardaway michael jordan whatever and i would put them in like these thick cases thick yeah, plastic cases, the hard plastic like, little screw in them or whatever mm-hmm. so i couldn't find those you know they're long gone they're probably worth a million dollars by now what are you gonna do those those are in my attic those did not make those did not make the shoot 
But yeah, man, I feel you in not having the money. I remember going to the comic book store every day after school to buy one sheet of plastic for cards for like 25 cents. And they're like, why don't you just buy a bunch? And I'm like, I'm using my lunch money every day. Every right. day I, I like to eat too. So every day I only have like 25 cents left. I got to buy one sheet a day as yeah. I was getting my cards together, man. I feel it. All right. The other thing I saw was a CD binder. I think I recognized one CD and I hope this is it. Was it the Lincoln Park reanimation CD? Was that one of the CDs in your binder? It was not. Oh, it was orange, though. might have been. Uh, it might have been in that binder somewhere, but that wasn't the one. It wasn't in my real binder as a kid. Okay. Um, I saw an orange CD. I was like, oh, this has got to be it. It's not. Nah, it wasn't that. I was wondering, maybe they put Neverland in there. The first Neverland had an orange cover. Uh. Well, I don't know. I can't remember, actually. You know, some of that stuff was some of that stuff was also my buddy Matthew Warren. He's the photographer. He okay. brought some of his childhood stuff. He did a he great job. That too. So we kind of amalgamated it to kind of just be like the essence of, you know, 10-year-old Andy. Okay. So now specific things that are in there. We said Elmo. We have Ren from Ren and Stimpy. Uh, Raphael. I have Donatello over here and up there with Elmo. Um, was the Andy stuff box, was that a Toy Story nod? Or was that just you had a box of Andy stuff? Nah, it was actually when we were shooting that um, video, that was a box of Matthew's stuff. And I looked at the box and it said Matt's stuff on yeah. the box. And I was and it was it was not ironic. It was yeah. like, really, that's what was written on it. I was like, yo, that's hilarious. Like, because, you know, what I'm saying you, you're as yeah. a kid, you're like, this is my stuff. It's a. No, no specifics about what's in there. It's just a bunch of your crap. And I was like, I would totally do that. So we turned the box around. And I put Andy's stuff on it. And it, um, you know, it kind of played into the whole photo shoot thing. I, but I know I, there is a, a, a big um, a box in the, uh, what's it called? Uh, that movie, Toy Story. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Shout out Toy Story. Shout out the real Andy. So all that stuff in your room um, basically is representing that childlikeness that you're, you know, trying to recapture, right? Being the lost boy and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, childhood, you know, some of the most pure years because, you know, I think yeah. at a certain age, you start to put on a bit of a, a character or a protection layer, but there's like some of those sweet spots and like six years old is such a sweet spot where you can fully communicate, but you, yeah. you're, you're not so self-aware that you're hiding parts of who you are or trying to disguise anything. I think when you start to get about 10 years old, you start to get maybe too cool for things, or, you know, but um, yeah, just always trying to, you know, that's been a theme of my music, trying to recapture that wonder of, of childlikeness. Yeah. You know, before the world gets so crazy and it hardens you and makes you cynical, like trying to hold on to that hopeful, beautiful, uh, version of yourself that could express and be open and free and vulnerable and and excited and have your feelings all that is like peak i feel it as i'm rummaging through this stuff too i'm like yo i like really like this stuff and i'm so glad that i still have it and that i could revisit my childhood anytime i want and now i can give that stuff to my kids That's which right. drives me crazy because they're not careful and it's like i'm a grown man and you know 
my son's grabbing an action figure, he's bending the head. I'm like, yo, yo, you gotta relax. This thing's yeah. like this thing's like 30 years old. Right. It made it through my whole childhood. You can't you can't break it in the first five minutes of me giving it to you. Yeah. Um, and then you're like, how did I have it and not break it? You know? Yeah. Well, you know, we're we were we were a different breed. Um I'm very I'm also very and toys were made different. They are. Now they have so many parts that they just they just break, they just break easier. Yeah, I got yeah. a couple up there, but uh, all right, so let's talk about this album. One yeah. of my favorite things, I think. One of the favorite things I ever heard you do was this opening track. Um, just the MI. So I, I need to know first off, where are the samples from that are in there? That the part I think it says 20 stories high. And then even the boy that's talking throughout the whole album, Don't Forget Me, and in Falling and in other tracks. Yeah. Where is that? Where is that from? So there's a handful of VHS tapes. Um from when I was a kid doing backyard wrestling. And so you guys got to see some of the wrestling videos from when I was a kid, um, when I announced the tour, the fall tour. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a whole bunch of those videos and all of my buddies were in there. And so you hear them talking throughout the album, the little cutbacks, okay. tag team champions of the world, or he's up 20 stories high. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. When I would jump off of a, a slide and, and body slam somebody or shooting star or whatever I was doing. So that was my boy, Billy. Um, and then the little kids talking throughout the album, those are actually my nephews. So my yeah. nephews did the handwriting that all the, for the track list. Um, and then they did the voiceovers where they, you know, are talking on the album, yeah. the little kid voices. And I basically sent a list of things to my sister, like have them say these things. Yeah. She held out her iPhone and you can hear her in the back, say yeah. this now, say this, try it. <laughs> and so she sent me all those files and I chopped them up off the iPhone and I turned them into little clips for the album. That's dope. Uh, obviously I got my mother narrating like the whole album. So yeah, that. it's cool, man. I think it's a cool project. It's very nostalgic and it pulled, it's interesting that we, I was even able to pull from people in my own bloodline that are kids. So it kind of kept the, like the album cover is actually shot in my godson's bedroom. So he's not, you know, blood, but he's like blood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kept the kids involved were like directly connected to me. The other thing I love about this song is you, you opened up like this choir, like um, this chorus of people. So like, who were those people singing? And did oh, yeah. you, did you have that vision in your head? Like, is, did it come out how you wanted it to sound? Like, how was that arrangement? So that record is actually an amalgamation of a couple ideas. Um, when I was working on Magic and Bird, uh, Ty Shane, or who y'all know as Beam, Beam, was in yeah. the studio with me. And we were working on records. And he showed me that intro. He was like, yo, I just worked on this intro with this other kid, Gabriel. And he was trying to use it for his album. And he hasn't figured out a way to use it. And I was like, yo, that's amazing. Let me like, give it to me. And it had a different beat on it and everything. And I actually, around that time, like a year later, that's when Justin Bieber tweeted out my song or whatever. And him and I started like talking. And I was thinking, I was like, yo, I should put Bieber on this song. Am I falling from this? You know, I was yeah. that chorus part. And then, cause he, you know, at that time he was like, yo, if you need something from me, let me know. And I was like, I do. I just don't know what song I'd put you on. 
and I never really figured it out. And by the time I thought of some ideas, it was like the relationship was no longer <laughs> really there. I mean, you know, every once in a while it'd be like a like on a picture or something. But at that point he was like excited about my music. So you're going to win him back. You're going to win him back with this one. Who knows, bro? You know, I just, whatever. It's this, all good. This Justin knows, you know, just knowing Justin's you're you're going to, you're going to win him back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, Anyways, I was going to put him on that. And I was like, people were like, I don't think that's the right song. So I was like, whatever. So we held on to the song and I couldn't figure out how to rap over the beat once the beat dropped. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I tried a million different flows. Nothing felt right. So then when it was time to like finish this album, I was like, yo, I still need an intro. So I went back from 2017 and found this intro and I actually wow. took it and I sampled it and I made the beat on the second half. Um, and once I made the beat and changed the 808 and everything, that's really when all the flows and like ideas started coming. I was like, all right, I cracked the code, you know? So yeah. um, that's how that came together was Ty Shane, Gabriel, genre. Um, yeah. There's actually a girl, Hadar. They were all kind of working on that, came up with the ideas. And then I kind of just freaked it, added my raps, added some, some beat stuff with Ty Shane. And we created a, what I think is one of the most epic intros of all time. Yeah, man. Well, who am I? <laughs> I, I, man, I agree that that na 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 like that part. Like I could have listened to like five more minutes of that, and then you just cut it, and I was like, oh, I was yeah. like, I get it though. I get it. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't, you gotta let it go. But then it gets revisited in in falling, which which is dope. So one one of the things, um, when did you, since Neverland mirrors your life, when did you? go from the realization where you're asking am i falling to then acknowledging i am falling that's actually a good question thanks um hmm. i don't know if there's like a time frame i could give you specifically like an exact time like oh this is what's happening but i think the period of time where I was just beginning to experience like real self-acceptance and like, or just accept, not self-acceptance, acceptance in general, self-acceptance is a part of that, but the acceptance of things that I believe, maybe I no longer believe mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. You know, people that I, I had hope in, I no longer have hope in and that's okay. You know, like I think that process has been like, helpful for me because I think when you're young, you're so idealistic about Christianity and faith and whatever your ideals are, whatever they may be, you're so idealistic that you haven't been punched in the face enough to know that things don't work out always as clean as you think they will. And I think with age has been some of the acceptance of the brokenness of the world I live in and um, that everything's a little messier than you think. Not everything is so clean cut, you know? And that is the acceptance of falling. Like, I'm not the, I've realized like, I'm not even the person that I thought I was, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that like self-righteous spirit that I had at one point of time, thinking I had all the answers and was right about everything. Like now I'm able to look back and be like, even that, that person was wrong too. And it's okay, you know? Um, for me, for me, I think 
that acceptance of falling or like just not having things together is a beautiful part of the journey to like when you know you're wrong or you know when you're out of bounds like then you can try to change and grow and fix things but until you have that um level of like self-awareness i think it's hard to really grow as a, as a person and uh yeah i'm kind of talking in circles but no nah, I, I get it sense no i get it i get it and uh Again, I'm going to shout out my boy, Eli. This was his contribution. Um, this question particularly, he says, in, in that track, you reference the arrow, the sword, the key, the feather. We even get happy thoughts, all of which were the elements of the original Neverland project. Uh, and the last time you and I spoke, I asked you if the plan was to release two more EPs titled The Key and The Feather. So what you know, was, is that still part of the plan or does Neverland 2 kind of like clean slate that what, what's going on? Yeah. Um, originally I wanted these body of songs to be the two EPs that came out together. Yeah. And we haven't broken it up that way yet. So we decided like, you know, it's, I think it's time for a full length. And um, we may end up going on the backside, organizing them into all the elements so that it collectively makes one body of work. But right now we've just like, this is this body of work. These are these songs for this. Let's drop it. Uh, I think people need a full length album, you know. We did. Let's do it this way. And we'll deal with the, uh, the storytelling, you know. We'll come back around to it to complete it for people. But yeah, I, I would love to complete that series to, to um, you know, tie a bow on it for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so the other the other thing concerning your albums on, you know, the drill, you mentioned that you might drop a part two, no announcement. Um, back in 2018, you did an interview with Amazon Music. You mentioned Neverland being a trilogy of projects. Yeah. Uh, with Neverland 3 was never been mentioned because obviously two just came out. Could there be a work in progress to a magic and bird to uh, a collab project with Lecrae coming? Because I know on Ruslan, you said you guys did a lot more than the one track that you guys did together. So, right. you know, how, or are you just trying to make something completely different moving forward? Like how do you bounce around all these different ideas for projects? Yeah. You know, um, all of none of those projects are like off the table for real. It's like it's a time and capacity and timing kind of thing. But um, I'd love Neverland to be a trilogy. And then the other part of me that loves to do like new and exciting things is like, man, move on. Right. Um, right. So we'll see. You know, like let's just let Neverland two come out, see if if anybody likes it and wants more. Uh, the other part is uh, work in progress part two would actually be really dope because I got so many songs that didn't make this album. I'm like, you know what? That, that was a really cool way to take those songs that didn't find projects and still was able to put them out and tell a cool story and let people journey with me. So we've been thinking a lot about, uh, do we put these songs on a deluxe or do we save it for a, you know, a work in progress part two? Like, what do we do? So that could potentially happen. Magic and Bird, like that's always my boy and we always creating and you never know. I mean, we put magic to bird and bird together like pretty quickly. So, you know, that might be a, a couple weekends hanging out together. 
and just get some inspiration. Um, but, you know, it's about, about timing, really. That's the thing. Timing and, like, what else is going on? You know, we're planning on a, another Christmas show this Christmas. Yeah. And it's a lot of time and energy that's got to go into that. Um, you know, this album and touring it. So only 12 months in the year, man. We gotta figure out how to how to do it all. Yeah, man. I'm a I'm a little I'm a little sad we we didn't get that New York date that you just cut it today. I was I was gonna talk to you about it and then like right as I was getting ready for this, I saw the 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 tweet or the post and I was like, ah. Yeah, we essentially had to trim down the number of dates on the tour to try to make it a little safer for everybody. Yeah, no, I get it. And um, it was crazy because, like, we started doing – started figuring some things out. Not only if people get COVID, you know, they can go home and stay in their house and in their bed. You know, they yeah. assume the risk when they come out. But if someone on my team gets sick, there's an additional layer of complications that kick in where they can't get on the tour bus and they can't be flown home. So they got to stay in whatever city they were in and be put up for 10 days, yeah. you know, be paid and paid per diem. And then someone new to take their spot and learn the show. And, you know, that could happen to your whole crew because yeah. vaccines don't necessarily stop this Delta variant. So at that point, it just got very clear to everybody, like, this is more tricky than we could have ever imagined. Uh-huh. So I think we need to just shrink it down, just hit a few cities because we still want to touch the fans. But we can't be out there for six weeks going across the country. <laughs> you know, it's just not not safe. I'll catch you. I'll catch you on the comeback. But uh, all right, yeah. let let's change the pace a little bit. I've seen the been about it music video. Um, I feel like Dust was the was the perfect guy to capture sure. the aesthetic of that. But sure. my question mainly is. Whose idea was it to have Lecrae's shirt off almost every single scene? Was that his idea? No, he didn't want any of that. You know, he, he didn't eat bread for two weeks to be a part of that. Uh, so <clears throat> it just, you know, when you're recapturing iconic album covers, a lot of them have are shirtless and uh, he just kind of fit the bill. It's like, hey, these are going to be for you, man. Because no one wants to see me with my shirt off, I'll tell you that right now. I was... <laughs> Bad luck. Well, ramen, ramen, and ramen. You know, that's the life. It was ramen. Um, yeah, but anyway, that that video was dope. Uh, I can't wait to see what sort of responses were in there. And it's you know, it's always fun trying to figure out like, oh, what album is this, and then seeing how you how you tweak it. Even with uh, the Eminem show, you like pop out from behind the curtain and everything. Yeah, like it was yeah, that was, it was super cool, man. Um. So anyway, I mentioned it before, and I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna needle you a little bit. Lecrae collab tape. Is, is we gonna do that? Oh yeah. I mean <laughs> we uh been about it came like me and him got in the studio for like uh three weeks in a row. Every Tuesday morning we would get together wow. and just do a couple hours and just see what came out because we know like there's one part of there's a the creative process is more than just like, we're going to make an album. A lot of times it's like, let's just get in the studio and start bouncing ideas off each other. Mm -hmm. Because even if nothing comes out of it, we might, he might learn something from me. I might learn something from him that he's going to take into his album and I'll take into, you know what I mean? Like sometimes ideas are created. You don't really know what you're going to leave the studio with. Um, and so we were like, let's just get in. We're both here. We're in Atlanta. Let's lock in. 
figure out, like, is there chemistry? Is there not? Whatever. Him and I got crazy chemistry in the studio because we're built different. He's more a Jay-Z. I'm more of a Kanye. Like, I care about the art. He cares more about the commerce. So we make as good amalgamation of, of songs. We got in for three weeks and we did a few, like three songs uh, and we were originally going to start piecing them together and be like, maybe we could have our own project or tape and start playing with some ideas. But then I was like, yo, I got to finish my album. Like I can't, I can't switch gears. Like I got to fall through it. So I said, let me take this one song and put it on my project. And then let's come back to the other records and like, maybe we'll put them out on yours or, or church clothes or something else. So, you know, I think we got to keep getting back in the studio because we love creating together um but it for real what it comes down to is like spending time there and then seeing what product comes out you know you can go in and be like we're making an album and then you get in and it's like five duds in a row like we got no album uh but i would love to see that happen at some point eventually yeah considering you know lecrae is re-retiring you know you'd have a nice a nice project to to send him off into the sunset Sure. Um, so one of one of the things, but I'll tell you this. Go ahead. Here's the funny part. Since 2014, I was telling him, "Yo, I think we need to do a joint project." And I was telling him, "I was like, yo, let's do it, let's do it." And he he just gave me the whole ah, like I'm hot right now. I don't really want to do it. You know, he was just he was on a different wavelength at that time. And I was like, Nah, I'm telling you, bro. Like I really think this would be crazy. And he just kept on shooing me off and shooing me off. And so that's funny, like six years later or something, he's like, yo, let's do the joint project. And I'm like, ah, I'm working on my album. And you, you shoot him the, 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 It's just all <laughs> switches. It's funny. But I still would love to do it because he's an incredible rapper. And, yeah. and I get a lot of energy when we're in the studio together. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, one of, one of the things, obviously, you just dropped the new single last night, Nobody's Coming. Now, yeah. do, you, do you remember what your mom said like do you remember actually wanting to pray for a new father i actually don't remember that because i was so young mm-hmm. um but her telling that story like i, I remember that house we lived in we were living in a shelter once right. we left my dad from his house she had nowhere to go and we stayed in this like ran down ghetto shelter where you could, there was like needles outside and stuff it was crazy like downtown syracuse um, it was like a safe home type thing. So I remember being there and I remember the, the bed that was on the floor, the mattress that was on the floor. But um, I don't remember that specific moment, you know. How old were you? Ooh, like three. Oh, wow. Real young. Yeah, so that's back. But I'm sure you, like, remembering that scene, though, is something that will stay with the three-year-old rather than a specific conversation for sure. For sure. For yeah. sure. Just being in that house. And my mom tells another story where I was just like, she said, I said something like, I want to go back to the house with the orange walls, you know, because there was a bathroom that, you know, that had orange walls and I remembered it. And I was just like sitting there swinging my little legs from the, the, um, the high chair, just kind of hand on my chest, you know, on yeah. my head, just, I want to go back to that that house, and we couldn't. And I remember she was saying just that like broke her heart, you know. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Um, one of one of the things that we also spoke about last time is kind of maybe 
not necessarily your your fears or concerns or even a little bit of reluctance on wanting to become a father. So uh-huh. how does the realization of I might just have to be what I never had for me and nobody's coming maybe like cured those fears or or kind of helped you out in saying, hey, I can I can be a father. I never had a father, but I can be one. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm like fearless about being a father, you know, and I, I you shouldn't be not pregnant. Or nothing. Huh? I said you shouldn't be. It's very yeah. scary. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, I don't feel like, Oh, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. But, um, I just think that's, that's something that a lot of people get is like, Oh, if I didn't have it, I'm going to have to try to be that for, for just try to be what I, what I didn't have for other people. And, um, you know, I think, I think that's going to make me a good father when it's time. Um, and cross my heart, you say, took a pandemic just to make that FaceTime call, probably should have made last fall, didn't yesterday. I say, I'll do that tomorrow. That's an everyday thought. That really, really resonated with me because just a couple of weeks ago, I put out a tweet like that. That was basically like, you know, before I even heard the song, make, make that how you doing text that you keep saying that you're going to make every day. And literally the day after I made that tweet, a friend of mine from college who I hadn't spoken to in years died. So like, that was like a huge kind of like wake up call for me. We're now like almost every week I make like a list of people that I'd be like, Hey, haven't, you know, spoken to this person in a long time, you know, let's check up on them. You know, how are they doing? So for you, like just, that's kind of like a, like a everyday sort of thought, how do these everyday thoughts or these concerns become like these relatable lines in, in songs for you? Like, how do you come up with that idea and be like, you know, I'm going to drop that in a song. Honestly, I wish, um, some of the, uh, the lyrics that I came up with, like I would be able to take more credit for like, as far as like, Oh, I geniusly like put them together. A lot of times, the the lyrics like that one um, are just a stream of thought, like a first line that's a stream of thought. And then somewhere, like, honestly, I don't know how this happens in my brain, but like another thought that rhymes with it will just build on top of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the next line will come and the next line will come. And before you know it, a full verse is done. And there's like little gems inside of there Cause I think those ideas are rolling around in my head and they're just looking for a time to come out. Yeah. But that's like the creative process for me is it's like, just get started. Um, and I was like, all right, what's the, what's the thing I'm thinking and feeling right now? Damn, it took a, it took a world emergency, like a pandemic for me to like pray again, you know? And I was like, that's an interesting thought. I bet other people yeah. have felt that. And once you do that, like the next, the next part comes. So, but there are times when I have like a lyric, like a thought. I'm like, this needs to be said. This is important. And then I'll I'll keep that as the fourth line. And then I'll build the rest of the verse backwards, basically, to build up to that moment. But a lot of my music, the way I write, particularly now, is a stream of consciousness where I don't even write. Like, there's, there's nowhere that that verse exists on paper because I just sat in front of the mic and just started yeah. flowing and then punching in and just building on top of it. That's how a majority of my music is made now. I don't actually write anymore. I just 
kind of freestyle and think on the spot and record it. And then you, and then you tweak it. Exactly. To make it makes sense. Yeah. And I've been doing that since like probably 2016. I started doing that 2017 magic and bird, you know, like you would think you, you'd notice that maybe your music lyrically might get worse, but for you, it's like you've uncovered a whole new layer. And you're like, Oh, I guess that's why Jay-Z does this. Like, that's why he's so good. Like, yeah. I and it wasn't even made... to try to mimic Jay-Z. Yeah, right, right. Just like, but that's the does that. yeah. trajectory of someone who does it a lot is like, this is actually faster to get my thoughts out this way than the, right. Because it's almost like when you, when you're starting out, like you need framework to help you figure Structure. out. The rule. And then once you know it, you're like, All right, I can get rid of that and just go. Like I, I might not need the paper that got the grids on it anymore to draw yeah. a straight line. Cause I'm so good at drawing a straight line. You can get rid of that and I'll paint, you know, now I'll break the rules a little bit, you know, but at first writing is that like, I want to remember my lyric. I want to make sure this word rhymes with this. Uh, so it's, I think it's just kind of a natural evolution. And a lot of these guys, especially like the trap rappers, like the, yeah, they, they never have, they've never written, but you they're not tell. focused you on. You could tell art. a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think it's different when you, you're, you're, what you're saying is you're a person who cares about lyrics and you still don't write them down. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. If you don't care about lyrics and you just rhyming and saying things, then obviously that makes more sense. So I guess, yeah, it is strange, but I don't know. It's, it's the, it's the format right now, but it, Working. I don't know. Like, this stuff changes every few years. You get inspired or like I sit down to record now. I never stand up. Put the mic right here while I'm sitting and I talk. And I think that's why my tone has also come down. You know, I used to be up here. Yeah, yeah, you know, real loud, aggressive. And I was standing up. And now I'm just like, all right, we done with so, that. I'm sitting, I'm talking to you. So the tone has changed. Yeah, it's more conversational. Absolutely. <laughs> what you just did there actually just came to my head that seems like a reverse of what eminem did where when he first started he was just like talking and it was like offbeat now he just yells at you so maybe now eminem is actually standing up in the booth and rapping whereas before he sat down he, he right. flipped it so and and you know the drill I, I i got the lyrics i noticed you you changed the line in it yeah do you you know what i'm talking about and and Absolutely. why did you why did you make the the change there was a line that I changed um, basically because I, I said something about somebody, about a person. And afterwards, I thought about it and I was like, you know what? That probably isn't helpful because, I, I, you know, certain people name drop as a career, like, calling card. Like, this is who I am. I, I start beefs and I, you know, whatever. It's like if I name drop, like I'm I'm trying to communicate an idea or something, you know, and I just, you know, I started thinking to myself because I, I name dropped a few people on uh, like in this album and other things that I've just, you know, MPJ even where I was like, I don't even know how I feel about this. It, you know, months later, you're like, you kind of cement these people in records and you start to think to yourself like, ah, oh, I wouldn't like that if that was me, you know, or that's not kind or, or whatever. But at the same time, you're like, but it's true, you know? So I wrestle with, with that, but I went back and changed the line because I think, um, I just don't think it's helpful. That's all. 
So do you feel like that, like this on wax type of therapy that you've been putting out with these projects, with your audience for this, like this whole Neverland portion of your career is like the majority of your career. Um, Do you feel like it's helped alleviate some of those things that, you know, you've, you've struggled through and, and have had to get out. And, and if so, like, what's the next closet you need to clean out the next demon you got to exercise like the stone that needs to be unturned uh overturned in the in the life of andy minio yeah i don't know man life life hands you different things at different stages and you know i mean like death of my mother um you know having a kid it might be another season of life where i'm uncovering new things and discovering i don't know but I, i don't necessarily yeah i don't know i just what i what i know is every song and every album has been a way for me to process and think through things and be vulnerable and share basically what I call like survival information. Like, yo, I lived through this and I learned some things and I'm going to tell y'all about it. And it seems to help other people as well. So whatever life throws at me, I'm sure I'll find a creative way to deconstruct it and share the lessons that I've gotten from it. What, no matter what it is, and that's the other thing is like, what demon or what thing do you got to uncover? It's like, there's always one around the corner. So I don't know, but I lift your hat, might lift your hat and find one. There's, there's just so many lines on this project that like kind of hit me that resonated and another one. And we don't even have to get into it. Cause I know that could be like a 40 minute conversation, but you, you say, um, Jesus saved me from Christians. And that, yeah. and uh, I, I understood what that meant as soon as I heard it as a person who has been in church since they're five years old. And then hearing your, and the conversation that you were having uh, with Ruslan and some of the things that you were saying. And I was like, man, I get that. I get being tired of the worship music. I get being uncomfortable around super churchy people. I get going through the comments and getting hammered by Christians on Rabzilla articles that we post save me from the Christians. I get it. Um, so yeah, man. So I just fantastic project through and through. I appreciate you for just making it and, and taking the time out to talk to me about it and, and indulging my, my fake Neverland set. Um, it's unfortunate you you won't, yeah, man, it's unfortunate you won't be in New York, but I guess I'll, I'll catch you the next time. Absolutely, bro. I hope to see you and uh, have a slice with you. Yes, or or some artichoke. You already know, some kachofle. Okay. All right, All right well, thank much you so love, much. brother. Absolutely. Thank Peace. you, guys. Appreciate yep. it. Peace.